0: let us pray. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep, and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overthrew the tables. John 2.15 I confess today that zeal for your house has consumed me. Move in my life, so that I can stand for what is righteous. Help me so that I can stand for what is godly. Move in my life and allow me to understand heavenly matters. As I look at you, Jesus, help me to understand that God loved me so much that He sent you as a bridge to connect me back into His loving arms. Oh, I praise you, Lord that as I believe in Jesus Christ, I will have access to eternal life. I thank you that you did not send Jesus to condemn me, but to rescue me from my sins and from myself. I declare that I am new and restored, because I now have you in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for making prayer a priority in your life. To hear the Bible come to life, stay tuned for The Bible in a Year. Brought to you by BibleInAYear.com
1: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.
3: June 30th, 2024.
4: Flipping Tables and Eternal Life In our last story, Jesus performed his first of many miracles at a wedding in Cana. By the request of his mother, Jesus blessed a wedding by turning water into wine. Although the guests were not aware of this miracle, the servants and disciples knew. They awed at the humble power of Christ. They knew even more that he was the promised Messiah. Now we witness the righteous anger of Jesus. When the greed of men seeps into the temple gates, Jesus violently empties its courtyard. He drives out corruption, then speaks of eternal life and why he has come, inspired by the Gospels.
5: Hello, this is Pastor Jack Graham with another episode of the Bible in a Year podcast. We have now seen Jesus calling his disciples to himself, men who believed that he was from God, even if they didn't fully understand his purpose or the path that he would take as the Messiah, but they were compelled to the call. They dropped everything and began following Jesus. We also heard the last time how Jesus performed his first miracle in Cana of Galilee, turning water into wine. It is a symbol of the power of Christ to transform our lives. The miracle further strengthened the disciples' faith in Jesus. Today, we'll hear how Jesus shows a righteous anger at the dishonoring and the disrespectfulness of God's house by greedy men who were seeking personal gain at the temple gates. Christ will act swiftly and forcefully to cleanse His temple, showing the disciples that He was zealous for His Father's house and serious about calling out wickedness and hypocrisy wherever it presented itself. Most of the religious leaders will look on this act with scorn, but one man will seek Jesus out, in secret, wanting to know more. Let's listen now to the reading of God's Word. It was Passover in Jerusalem.
4: Men, women, and children from many nations gathered in the temple courtyards to make a sacrifice to the Lord. It was a widely celebrated time, a time for reflection on the goodness of God, a time for prayer and thanksgiving. A time to contemplate the saving power of God. However, when Jesus walked into the temple gates, he did not see people celebrating the Lord. He saw money changers and lenders haggling with foreigners. He saw temple clerks charging extra money for people to buy sacrifices. Worst of all, he saw the courtyard of the Gentiles filled with money-hungry salesmen. Money changers were purposefully hiking up exchange rates so the Gentiles had to pay more money for sacrifices. People outside the family of God had come to Jerusalem to seek forgiveness. Instead, they were met with payments and fees. The religious leaders were making people pay to access forgiveness. The deep fury of God welled up within Jesus. Silently, Jesus grabbed some cords from a nearby cart. He sat down and began to braid them. His disciples watched him curiously. They were used to seeing Jesus filled with joy and peace, yet there was a different expression on his face. Righteous anger. Jesus finished braiding a long braid of leather cords twice as long as himself. He stood up. Although Jesus was not a particularly tall man, his presence felt larger than the temple itself. Like lightning, Jesus swung his hips and whipped the braid towards the sheep and oxen. The livestock scattered and ran away as Jesus relentlessly drove them out of the temple. The sellers of the livestock ran after them. Jesus turned his eyes towards the money changer. With purpose, he marched toward the table, took the bags of temple currency, and threw them against the wall. Jesus turned towards the large stone tables with weights and scales. With godlike strength, Jesus flipped them over on their sides and let the gold spill over the edge. The money changers and salesmen were frantically trying to gather their goods when Jesus marched up the temple stairs. The people watched him closely, and the entire courtyard fell silent. It is written, Jesus began to yell, it is written, my father's house should be called a house of prayer. Jesus's eyes were filled with furious compassion. But look at what is around you, look closely. You have turned this house of prayer into a den of thieves. His disciples listened to his words. They could see the deep pain in Jesus' eyes. All he wanted was for people to worship God free from burdens. The prophecy of David resonated in their minds. Zeal for your house will consume me. The people looked at him with awe, but the religious leaders looked at him with contempt. What authority do you have to say these things? What sign will you show us? Jesus dropped the whip in his hands and pointed to the temple. Destroy this temple and I will show you. If you destroy it, I will raise it back up again in three days. A chuckle could be heard from the crowd. One of them scoffed at him and said, It took 46 years to rebuild that temple, and you think you could do so in three days? Jesus shook his head and walked down the steps. He took his disciples and left the courtyard. What they did not know is that Jesus was not speaking of the actual temple. He was speaking of his body. He would be destroyed and raised again in three days' time. All for the sake of people worshiping God free from burdens. Many of the Pharisees scoffed at Jesus. They shook their heads and spat in his direction. They thought of him to be just another zealot. They were wrong. They were profoundly and dangerously wrong. Yet there was one among them who did not scoff. His curiosity about Jesus was piqued. In the dead of night, a Pharisee named Nicodemus entered into the home of Jesus. Nicodemus knocked on the door silently. He did not want to be seen speaking with Jesus in fear that it might ruin his reputation. Jesus opened the door and smiled. He greeted Nicodemus and allowed him to come in. A few of Jesus' followers were sitting beside the fire. Jesus sat Nicodemus down. He had been expecting him. How can I help you? Jesus asked, pouring Nicodemus a drink. Nicodemus began speaking. Rabbi, there is no doubt in my mind you are a teacher sent from God. No one can do these things that you have been doing otherwise. Jesus nodded in agreement. However, he was more than a teacher. "'Unless one is born again, "'he truly cannot see the kingdom of God,' Jesus said. Nicodemus was confused at his statement. "'I'm not sure I follow, Rabbi. "'Are you suggesting that someone needs "'to re-enter his mother's womb and be born again?' Jesus gave a gentle laugh. "'No, no, listen. "'Unless you are born of the Spirit, "'you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. "'We are all born in the flesh, yes. "'However, not all are born of the Spirit.' Jesus could tell that Nicodemus was having difficulty understanding. He leaned forward and touched Nicodemus' shoulder. Don't be confused by this, he said reassuringly. The wind blows and nobody can see it. It is the same with being born by the Spirit. But how can that happen? Nicodemus asked. Aren't you a teacher? Jesus replied. You should understand this. I have done many signs and given you earthly examples. You have seen and heard them, yet you and the rest of the Pharisees still do not believe. So how could I possibly explain heavenly matters to you? Jesus could see the look of disappointment on Nicodemus's face. He had compassion on him and loved him for his heart. Jesus spoke of himself now, saying, The one who truly knows the things of heaven is the one who came from heaven. Just as Moses lifted the bronze serpent up in the wilderness for people to be healed, so people will look upon him and receive eternal life. Nicodemus knew that story, the story of the Israelites being saved in the wilderness from venomous snakes by gazing upon the bronze serpent. He was beginning to understand slightly what Jesus was telling him. The Lord smiled and leaned in closer to Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he offered up his only begotten son, And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And God did not send his Son to condemn the world, no, but that by him the world should be saved. There was a joyfulness in Jesus' voice. His disciples were behind him, hanging on his every word. His eyes glistened in the firelight. The light has come to the world, Jesus continued. But people love darkness rather than the light." Wickedness hates the light because it exposes it. But whoever knows and acts upon the truth steps into the light. With those words Nicodemus left, he held the words of Jesus closely, regretting that he could not totally understand.
5: Today we begin with Jesus once again at the temple during Passover. And this time, we don't see Jesus sitting with teachers. In today's reading, we saw something that included a holy zeal and a righteous, fiery anger that comes from the Lord. God's temple is meant to be a house of worship, a place of prayer, a place where people are forgiven. But instead, the temple was being used by greedy businessmen and religious leaders taking advantage of people, charging exorbitant fees for them to access sacrifices and find forgiveness. We often think of the gentleness of Jesus, and truly Jesus is gentle and lowly of heart. His character is kind. But Jesus is also strong and never weak. He was always deeply devoted to the things of God. Just like his predecessor ancestor, King David, was called to be strong as a warrior for the Lord, Jesus now rises up to defend the house of God. He was not silent, and this was not calm. It was violent. He was determined to set people straight. God's temple would not be defiled by thieves. He braided a whip and scattered the vendors. He turned over the tables of those charging money and taking advantage of the Gentiles, speaking with loud voice his accusations against them. He would not allow this hypocrisy, this dishonesty, to continue. This was not Jesus losing control of his emotion, flying off the handle, and losing composure. This was clear and planned. Behavior. This was righteous indignation. We can only imagine how shocked the disciples must have been to see Jesus perform this act of cleansing the temple and behaving in this way. But they remembered the words of Psalm 69, which says, The zeal of your house will consume me. This is yet another sign that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. But the religious leaders and other Jews did not see this so clearly. They challenged Jesus and asked what right he had what authority he possessed to say and do these things. His response for them was confusing to those who heard it. In John 2:19, Jesus answered them, "Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in 3 days." They thought he was talking about the physical temple, the building, the temple of stone and mortar, but Jesus was speaking here about himself. He was the temple. He was the very presence of God. The glory of God was upon him, and one day he would be destroyed. His temple, his physical body would die, but he would be raised to life on the third day. Here Jesus begins prophesying his own death and resurrection. The Pharisees tried to laugh this off, failing to see the one who was standing before them. All they knew is that they despised this man who spoke with such authority and challenged their position and power. But Jesus was not seeking personal power and pride and prominence. He was calling people to repentance. He was calling people to himself and a brand new life. There was one leader among them who wanted to know more about this Jesus. Perhaps he was afraid to ask in the broad daylight, to ask openly. So, at night, this man came to Jesus. His name was Nicodemus. He wanted to know more about this man is he the Messiah? Is he more than a man? Is he more than a teacher from God? Jesus then told Nicodemus that to enter the kingdom of God, one must be born again. Nicodemus was confused, so he asked for clarification. How is it possible to be born again? The Lord explained to him that he was not talking about physical birth, but birth in the Spirit, heavenly birth, to be born again from above. This is the new life that Jesus promises to all who will be born again. Jesus then gave Nicodemus and us an illustration. He talked about Moses and the Israelites who looked to a bronze serpent, a brazen serpent, in the wilderness to be saved from the bites of snakes. This was a story that Nicodemus knew well. And Jesus explained to him that this is a picture of God's love, that God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world, and that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This, of course, is one of the key verses in all of the Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. His words clearly stuck with Nicodemus. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Religious people like Nicodemus and irreligious people even like you and me. Whoever you are, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you will trust in Christ and Christ alone as your Savior and Lord, you will be given eternal life. Not only will your sins be forgiven, but Jesus will live in your life and you will live with the hope of eternal life with you now and forever. I want to invite you and encourage you to be born again. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, do it right now. Simply pray a prayer and invite Christ into your life. Be willing to turn from your sins, that's repentance, and receive Jesus as your Lord and follow Him as your Savior. And if you will do this, you will have a brand new life, now and forever. Pray something like this, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Savior and my God, my Master and Friend. In the power of your Spirit, I will live for you all the days of my life, and I will live with you forever in heaven. Lord, thank you for giving me a brand new life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. I'm Pastor Jack Graham from Dallas, Texas. Let me encourage you to download the Pray.com app and make Bible study and prayer a real priority in your life. And if you are enjoying this podcast, share it with someone you know, someone you care about, because sharing God's Word has a powerful impact upon people's lives. And if you want more resources as to how you can find faith, grow in your faith, develop as a disciple and follower of Jesus, be sure to visit me at jackgraham.org. We have plenty of resources that will encourage you and equip you for life. God bless you.
0: This episode is sponsored by MediShare, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality. Welcome to the Pray News Podcast, where hope is our only bias. Each day, we will unpack the most prominent stories happening in the news and offer a Christian perspective. We won't shy away from the hard topics, and we won't dilute the hopeful message of Christ. This is more than a daily brief on the news. It's a way to be informed and transformed. Listen to Prey News on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.